As we wrap up our liturgical year, we turn once again to the miracles of Jesus. The focus in our lectionary uh, on the miracles occurs normally in the Sundays after the Epiphany and, of course, in the season of Trinity Tide, which we are wrapping up. Next Sunday is the final, year, uh, final Sunday of the liturgical year before we begin Advent on the 28th. And we're so used to reading about the miracles of Jesus that they kind of become commonplace in the sense that we don't really pay them too much mind. We're used to Jesus doing these neat tricks, so you could say. With familiarity comes contempt, this blindness to seeing what's really happening here. And what I mean by this blindness is our familiarity with the, the, the miracles of Jesus can lead us, especially in our modern scientific age, to completely overlook the significance of the miracles. The significance of the miracles beyond their mere physical manifestations. So what do I mean by all this? Well, take, for example, the funeral mourners, the professional people who are at this house of this little girl who has died. The family has paid to have people come in and to weep and to mourn, to make a big production out of their mourning. It was a common practice at that time, especially for those who had means that could afford professional mourners, just to show the depths of their grief. And for anyone who has lost a child, especially at the age of probably about 10 or 12 that this young girl is, you can imagine the profound amount of mourning that is going on. I have an 11-year-old daughter. That this would devastate me. No amount of money paid would be enough to bring her back, but I would do whatever I could to show my grief at the loss of our daughter. But Jesus shows up and he says something completely ridiculous, which he is known to do. These people are professionals in the death business. They are like modern morticians or undertakers, funeral directors. They see and they work with death and dying every day. That's their trade. And Jesus comes along and says, oh, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And of course they laugh and they scoff at him. What a nonsensical thing to say. How could she be sleeping? We know that sleeping bodies, their chest will rise and fall. We can put our hands over and feel the breath. There's color to the skin. This girl is clearly dead. She is not breathing. She is not have the color of rosy cheeks, the color of youth about her. She is dead. She has the pallor of death upon her. Who is this street preacher to come in and say, she's not dead, she's sleeping? When we read the scriptures, it's important for us to read ourselves into the story. And the question I would ask is, where do we find ourselves in this story? As modern people, as people who follow the science, we find ourselves, of course, with the funeral mourners. Of course she's dead. The dead tend to stay dead. And this is where I think we lose the blindness or where we become blind to what is happening in the miracles. It's more than just the physical that's happening here. Yes, we celebrate with the father and the mother of this young girl restored to life. 
who now can enjoy the fullness of, the, of her childhood and a life. We rejoice with this woman who has been suffering from 12 years from painful hemorrhaging. But is all, all there is to these miracles? Mere physical healing? You see, the miracles are not things or deeds done unto themselves. They're not a means to justify their own ends. The miracles are about making a definite and clear statement. In doing them, Jesus is telling us something about himself and about the nature of his kingdom. These are symbolic acts. They are visible words, these miracles, that preach to us about the reality of who Jesus is and about the nature of his kingdom. We live in a credulous, cynical age. We follow the science. But Jesus wants to open our eyes to the fullness of reality that goes beyond more than just the things that we can see, touch, taste, and feel. Because the nature of his kingdom is that it's a spiritual kingdom, that it's a heavenly kingdom, that it's a kingdom that encompasses all of reality. Not just the things we can see, touch, taste, and smell, but all of created reality. Indeed, all of eternity as well. The symbolic act, the visible words that are the miracles are telling us that Jesus is the one with power over life, the power over death. He scoops down into death itself and pulls this girl up and brings her and restores her to life. He takes this brokenness, this physical ailment of this woman, and he restores her to health. But more than just in a physical way, because you can imagine the joy and the overwhelming delight that come about from this woman, from this young girl, from her family. It is more. Their lives have been changed because of this healing. Our lives can be changed because of the healing that we receive in our own lives. When I had my stroke, it was a miracle that I was able to survive. And I don't want to go and draw on this and always talk about Jason's only got one story and that's his stroke story. But it was really instructive, a parable in my own life because of the spiritual healing that I was able to receive too. And I'm happy to elaborate that on more in a, in a more one-on-one -on -one context. But that's what was going through my mind here was the healing that I received, not just physically, but also spiritually. But we have to see and receive these things with the gift of faith, through the eyes of faith. To see that there is more than just the mere physical. Our lives in the last year and a half have become singularly fixated on the physical to the detriment of the spiritual. But Christ's kingdom is about mending that rift between the physical and the spiritual, about restoring them to the wholeness and to the fullness of what they were always meant to be. Back in the beginning in the Garden of Evil, that great deceiver, that great weaver of lies, the serpent, tells Adam and Eve, you will not die. but we miss the thrust of what he's saying. He's saying you will not physically die if you eat the fruit, but the injunction that God had put on the command to not eat the fruit was you will die in the sense that the spiritual and the physical will be rent apart. 
And we see the enactment of that because what happens? Adam and Eve are sent and alienated out of the garden. They are sent into exile. They cannot be where God is. That's our current living reality now here on earth. We are separated from God because of sin and because of brokenness. But Jesus' kingdom is about restoring the balance of restoring that brokenness of the physical and the spiritual and trying to put them back together about the way they are meant to be, our souls and bodies, in harmony with one another, in harmony with God. But none of this is to say that the eyes of faith means that our faith is a means of healing to itself. We hear faith healers saying, well, you're sick because you don't believe hard enough. You are sick and ill because you are not praying enough. And for the low, low price of a donation of $20 a month, that shows your faith is increased and then you will be made better. And if you're not better enough, give more money as a demonstration of your faith. That, that's nonsense. It's heresy. That's against of what, exactly what Jesus is about here. Because faith is embodied in the response of that woman who desperately just clings to the hem of his garment. That's enough just to be able to take that. See, faith is not a feeling. Faith is an act of the will by which we commit ourselves in a pledge of allegiance to Jesus and say, your kingdom come. Not just the merely earthly stuff, but the fullness of what reality is meant to be. Your kingdom come. We just desperately grasp onto the hem of his garment. We eat the crumbs that are at his table and we say, Lord, make it something. Fill us with that heavenly light and life that only you can give us. We turn to Christ because he is the one, as I said, with the power over life and death. Turning to him does not guarantee that our life will go through without suffering and without illness and without the complexities and difficulties that come from living in a broken world. But we find hope in them that knowing who Jesus is and the nature of his kingdom, and that is what the miracles in the scripture are all about, that is what the miracles in our life are about, but we have to have eyes of faith to see them. In our reading that Phil gave us from Colossians, we see this tangibly worked out. We are called to a life that produces faith, a life that produces fruit, because the fruit that we produce in our life is good for eating for other people, other people who are so desperate for something good in their life that we become agents, we become a means of extending the kingdom of heaven to those who are desperate for the crumbs of the table, those who are desperate to hang on to the hem of Jesus' garment. We have a role to play in that by the cultivation of the fruit of our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But it all starts with faith. That willingness to trust myself, my life, my soul, and my body to the God who loves me more than I could possibly love myself. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you more than you could love yourself? It's a hard question. It's easy to say yes, but then to really think about what that means. It's a radical turning over myself to God and to seek his life. 
We seek God through the trials and difficulties and tribulations of life, through illnesses and through death. We seek God in these things because we are reminded of his power over life and death and that he calls us to be members of his kingdom. We do not seek out trials and tribulations, but neither do we seek to avoid them as much as it is in our, care, our possibility because we go through life knowing where our life stands. It does not end here on earth, but it extends into the reality of the renewed heaven and earth that Christ comes to bring. We dare not seek trials for ourselves, but we must not also seek them for others. Charity and compassion, those fruits of the Spirit, require that we relieve suffering where we can. But we also thank God for the means and every other means by which we can participate in the healing of the nations. But we must never believe that it is our own power that is doing these things. We are participating in the heavenly reality that Christ brings to us. So these miracles are visible words given to us to remind us that like that woman whom Jesus calls daughter, we are sons and daughters of a heavenly kingdom. That we can go through life in all of its trials and difficulties, but that we can go through knowing that there is a wholeness beyond these mere earthly things. A wholeness that is ours as heirs of the kingdom. So let us look at these visible words of the miracles. Let us look at the visible words of the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ. And let us receive these words in faith, reaching out to merely touch the garment, the Jesus' robe, to eat the crumbs under his table, that we may hear him reply, Son, daughter, beloved child, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Amen.